Hello, everyone. Welcome. My name is Donna D, a.k.a. The Urban Mommy, and I am here with a wonderful guest. We are going to get started on the podcast, and I actually have a title for today. I'm so excited. (laughs) And the title is Own Your Story, Own Your Life. And I am with Miss Marsha Van Weinsberg. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me, Donna. Great. I appreciate you for coming on. All right. So let's get started. You are an author, a podcaster, a speaker, you're a publisher, you are a super mom, you do it all, right? So yeah. that's what I got from your bio. Can you tell me who is Marsha? Um, I love I love this question. So yes, those are all of the things that are part of my bio. Um, I wouldn't call myself a super mom. I think that we're all like navigating that definition every single day, um, which I think is the premise of what you're talking about. Who is Marsha? She's a very passionate, heart-driven, heart-led person and who is here inspired by the stories that people don't always want to share, inspired by the underdog, like by the person who overcomes something that they never thought was possible. Um, I lead with my heart and also have this funny sense of seeing what is possible in others and seeing potential that they don't see yet. And that is something that a lot of my clients say. The other thing I am is I can be very direct, very, um, very honest. And as one of my closest friends says, it's like you have such a way of almost hitting somebody in the mouth with your directness, but then saying, here's a puppy because I love you. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it sounds passive aggressive. It's not, I promise. A so, sour patch kid. Yeah, sour patch kid. That's a great way to say it. <laughs> great way to say it. All right, cool. So um, I did hear another podcast where you kind of gave a funny story about where you grew up. Can you share that? Ooh, what story? I've been on so many podcasts. You, oh, sorry. You said that you moved to some place. I think you were 10. Oh my gosh. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so I actually was born in, um, I'm in Ontario, Canada right now. And I was born in a place called Chatham, Ontario. And and I lived there till I was about 10. And in Chatham, you know, we had the YMCA. We had like, it was a city. So we had a lot of things to do. I could literally, there's lots of things to do. And our, my parents moved because of a job opportunity when I was around 10 years old. And we literally, like when I say we moved to a farm, like we moved to a farm, like it was a full farm. And I remember looking out the window the one night and I'm like, oh, look at all the cats, like to go outside and play with the cats. And my mom's like, no, no, those are, those are, those are like bobcats. I'm like, bobcats, it's just this. It was just this weird thing. So, I mean, I went from being around all of my friends, having lots of things to do, to going to a farm where we had no one nearby and it was just bizarre. So I I know I wasn't the best kid during those years because (laughs) I was not happy with my parents. But it, I mean, I couldn't imagine my life would be completely different if we hadn't. So it, yes, it was interesting. (laughs) Right. Okay. All right. So... Let's get into the the nitty gritty. So can you tell me what is radical responsibility? 
Radical responsibility is taking full ownership for your choices, your actions, your reactions, your decisions, how you choose to show up. And a lot of people will take radical responsibility and take it as blame. Like it means that, I mean, I'm screwing up, I'm not doing this right, etc. It's not needed at all. It's just recognizing that where I am today is a collection of every decision that I've made and every choice that I've made up until today. And if I want different results, then what can I do differently? So radical responsibility was a term that actually saved me in a really difficult time because I was in a space of sitting in a lot of blame, a lot of anger. And at that point, when you're in blame, blame is the opposite of ownership and it's the opposite of radical responsibility. And I had to come to a space of recognizing that I can't just sit here and wait for my life to change. I have to take responsibility. That also means that now when things are not going the way that I want, it's like, stop, take a look, take inventory. And it's almost always because I'm not doing the things that I know that I need to be my best self. So it's being able to come from a space of radical responsibility, but do it with love and compassion and grace. Cause we're not here to be perfect. And we're not here to, you know, bang it out of the park every day. Cause we're not going to, we're just literally not going to. Um, but can we do the best that we can with what we have every day? I think that's the important point is, is that, you know, life is a little bit of a zigzag and some days it's like, you just feeling like it's going great. And the next day it's like, wow, I hope I make it through today. And that's life. And so meet yourself where you're at when you take that responsibility, because some days you need a killer workout and some days you might need a nap and that's okay. They're both good. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Okay. I like that. So that's awesome. And sadly, a lot of us learn about it as we're an adult, as we're adults. How do you suggest that we implement that when we are raising our kids? Oh, what a great question. I think that there's a lot of simple ways to introduce it at young ages. And I think sometimes when you're in a space of parenting, because it's such a high demand all the time, right? It's 24 seven job that sometimes we don't respond in the best way possible that we look at it and go, eh, we shouldn't have done it that way. But I do think that there's a way to do it. And it could be just little things. Like I remember a time when my son wanted to take one of his toys to school. He was younger. So I'm looking outside because we're just getting a wicked storm coming through. And I'm like, ooh, that came in fast. So sorry. (laughs) It's just, um, but anyways, um, he wanted to take a, a toy to school. And I said, I remember saying, if you take this to school and you lose it, whose choice was it to take it to school? And he said, it's mine. So I said, so if you come home and you've lost that toy, then whose responsibility is that? Not whose fault is it? Like, I think the fault is not necessarily a helpful word for any of us. Whose responsibility is that? And he said, mine. I'm not going to, mom. I know. I know exactly how much, what, what I need to do with it. Of course, he lost it the first day. And he came home and he was like really upset and frustrated and then I remember my other son one point having was going on a school trip and it was like the one of those three-day ones for seven like it was like ridiculous amount of money but it was three-day school trip and they gave us an idea of how much money they could take he wanted to take significantly more but it was his money and I said you can take it but if you lose it that's your choice that's your responsibility and I think that we have to allow them and you know what the funny thing was I had so many other friends who said to me, my kids took my money and spent every single dime. Your son took his money and spent nothing. 
Mm. And I'm like, interesting. Like it was like he was probably 12 years old at the time or 11 years old at the time. Interesting. So if we let them, and I remember people saying, what are you going to do if he loses it? I'm like, then he'll learn. Right. So I think we can set them up to learn in small situations that can help. Okay. I like that. That's, I'm thinking of ways that I can implement that because that's something that I'm dealing with, um, with my kids and I'm glad you said about the fault. So I will try to refrain from using fault and say whose responsibility. So kind of talking to them and teach like coaching them through experiences. It's words are very important. I don't think I understood until later how important words were. And that is that piece of we don't need to point fingers and give blame because they're probably going to take that on themselves anyways. Right. So it's like responsibility. So what could you do differently next time? This stuff happens all the time, right? So if you kind of even say to them, like, this happens, you're going to lose things, things are going to happen. And what can you learn from this for next time? So I know that sounds like it was perfect. It wasn't, obviously. But it's being able to put it in a language that they get to learn something from a choice that they make. Because that's all we're all doing every day. We're making choices and learning every single day. That's true. That is very true. Okay, so... The next topic, can you explain to me what is reframing? Mm, Reframing. Reframing is something that I really started to practice about 10 years ago. And as I continue to grow through until today, I've taken a lot of NLP training and that's neuro-linguistic programming training. One of the things we learned there is reframing. So I realized I've been doing this for a number of years, but reframing is taking you know, a thought, a limiting belief, a story that's on repeat in your mind and reframing it in a different way. Because we all know we can, two people can face the exact same thing. One person can see it one way, one can see it the other way. And so reframing is how can you take that and look at it? So a very easy one that comes up all the time, I hear it from people all the time, is I can't afford that or I'm too broke for that. Well, those are the words that you're bringing to life. And when you speak that way, your subconscious mind is literally going to continue to show you proof of that. So in another way of saying it is it's like, I, I can't, I can't, maybe I can't afford that yet. Or maybe I don't choose that. Maybe that's actually not that important for me to do that. And you start to reframe the word because most of us are constantly replaying our past We're like replaying 95% of the day. We're replaying stories from the past, our language from the past. Reframing allows us to speak into where we're going, not where we've been. So it's really important. Like, and it's not fake. This is not fake. You're teaching your mind by speaking life into where you're going. Because the more you do that, you bring that to life, the more you see it. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to see different opportunities that you might not have even seen before because you were in a phrase, in a stuck in a phrase of, I can't, I shouldn't, it doesn't work for me. Those are, those are victim words and they just don't change the story. So reframing is something I practice all day, every day. That's good. I remember reading a story and I think it was a sales book and it basically spoke about being positive, the way we answer questions. And that made me think of that. Like if someone says, um, thanks for helping and you say no problem, they say, don't say no problem because it kind of implements that it was a problem. So do y'all have Chick-fil-A in Canada? We do now. Yes, we do. Yes. Okay. So like at Chick-fil-A, 
when you tell them that, they say, my pleasure. So oh, it's the that. positive. And it's, it's here in America, of course, there's a big difference between Chick-fil-A and everyone else because the way their attitudes are. And I believe that reframing the way that we respond to things and keeping it in the positive is basically what's happening. I love that example. I absolutely love that example. Like my pleasure as is, is like, I'm happy to help. Yes. Not, you know, it's, it's, we don't realize it. And I really just say to people, like if you have the awareness piece, but take a look and listen to your language all day long, because you're, we all have signs and things that we say on repeat that we're like, oh, that is not what I want to speak life into. That is not what I'm trying to speak life into. So speak life always into where you're going. Yes. I love it. Okay. All right. So let's talk about uh, vulnerable stories. So one of the questions, and I'm going to have a story to like quick story to bring to you. But my question is, how do you find the courage to speak about these issues, to bring them up? I think that I personally found the courage to start to show up and speak these stories because I knew what it felt like to not do it. And I think this is really coming back to what we were just saying is that there was a point where it was like, my way is not working. I was a parent who dealt with teen substance abuse, not a story anybody ever wants to deal with. And all I was doing was replaying my story, speaking it to life every single day. I felt stuck. I hated where I was and I I didn't know what was going to change until I really started to do some reading and understanding like what vulnerability was. And I know it was scary. It was super, super scary, but I also felt very isolated, very alone, not having a lot of support and everything I was reading was like, you can create what you want, like create what you want, but you have to show up as that version first. Mm. So a simple thing is I remember feeling very alone, not feeling very supported. And I thought, okay, if I have to show up in the version of what I'm looking for support with, how can I be that for somebody else? I'm like, well, I have a lot of people in my life right now. Who can I do that for? Maybe it was strangers. Maybe it was doing, like I, I would go out of my way to try to show up and share so that it could support others. And eventually, like in the beginning, I had a bunch of free talks where I was just speaking to other parents. And I found that when I could share my story and learn how to do it, it didn't take long before I saw that vulnerability was actually an act of courage and it was an act of resiliency and it helped me to heal, but it helped so many other people in the process. So vulnerability is really just allowing yourself to be seen. If you do that, it can bring the most beautiful people into your life and you can build those connections. Wow. Okay. Literally, uh, probably a couple of months ago, I recently dealt with teen substance abuse and it was hard. I mean, it was probably the hardest thing I've dealt with and it it hurt because, you know, you, you kind of internalize it and you feel like there's some failure on your part um, and it could be, but it was hard to deal with. And I started talking about it. And the, the weird thing was people would always say, stop saying that. Don't tell people that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not embarrassed by it. You know, I'm talking about it because I want help. Um, you know, I'm trying to get help for the situation I'm dealing with. I actually did a, did a podcast about fentanyl or how it's, you know, I don't know if you all have that issue there in Canada, but yep. it's crazy here. And my issue, my situation wasn't as bad as fentanyl, but I mean, it can literally change that. Yes, so 
that's and when I saw your story, I was very intrigued to hear about it because I've literally just finished and I'm knocking on wood, just yeah. finished with that situation because it was extremely hard. So how did you get over it? Not get over it. How did you get through it? You're, first off, I just want to thank you because you just, like for anybody who's listening, you completely just demonstrated vulnerability, like right, like right there in the moment. And vulnerability is allowing yourself to be seen because you're searching for support and an answer. Vulnerability is not like, look at me, this sucks. This is like, and put, putting blame. None of that is there. And so I just want to basically acknowledge you because I know that's hard. I, I mean, it's, it's still fresh as can be. It's not a, it's not something I would wish on anyone. It's a really difficult thing to walk through. And I give you a lot of credit for saying, look, I, I do want to talk about it because I, I'm a very much a solutions person. I'm like, how can I look for solutions? When I felt myself being super quiet, like you referred to, that's a space of feeling a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of frustration. And I knew it wasn't giving us any solutions. So it was like, okay, how can I ask for help? What can I do? And when we show up and share, a couple things are going to happen. We're going to have some people who are going to fall by the wayside who've been in our life forever because they don't know how to handle what you're doing. They don't know how to handle your situation, but they don't know how to respond to you showing up vulnerably. Many people live in the era. I grew up in the era of, we don't share our stories. Like we literally fake it. We put the smile on, we move on, you suck it up, you push it down and you move on. And I remember getting a lot of criticism when I started to share, like I, I definitely can feel what you're saying, a lot of criticism. And it came from the people I didn't expect it from. It came from the people closest to me and um, family and friends. And I know I finally had to get to a space of recognizing that how would they know how to handle it when I'm living in it day by day and I don't know what to do every day. So that actually helped me to let go of some frustration and anger. Secondly, I just realized they were not my people. Like they were not my people. And, and that's okay too, right? That's okay too. Because when those people fall by the wayside, it makes room for the people who can support you and for the people who can hold space for you, right? I wasn't asking for anybody to fix it. I was asking for people to help hold space because I didn't know what to do. And I often share that a couple of my closest friends to this day, I still remember them coming to my house on very critical days and saying, um, what can I do for you today? How can I help today? What is something that I can support you with today? And so they didn't, those people showed up eventually. It took time. But I do think that that will never happen if we don't show up first and share vulnerably. I also think that by sharing vulnerably, we now get to connect with people who are walking very similar paths as we're doing right now. And I think this is a really powerful moment because now what I call this, Donna, what I call this, this is evidence. So when I have more doubts, when I have moments of like, I don't know what to do next or vulnerability is scary, I stop and go, where do I have proof in my life that vulnerability led me to incredible people, incredible support, and I can pull up tons of evidence. And so, yes, it's scary and it's hard. And it's also hard to stay small and to stay quiet. I say it to myself every day. I get to choose my heart. I get to choose my heart. Both are hard. I get to choose my heart. 
And I can say that when I started to share, it was messy in the beginning because I had no idea what I was doing. It was messy in the beginning and it was difficult. But the more I did it, the easier it got. The more I started to heal, the more people I connected with. And the more I did it, I was like, oh, I think this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And it was just became a permission-based experience. Um, It helped me to process a lot of the guilt. I think, thank you for saying that because the guilt was something that I didn't know what to do with. And I'm going to share this is that as I started to share, it allowed me to heal. I was trying to find a way to forgive my kids because I was like, I don't remember asking for this. It was a horrible situation. I felt like it was not fair. I did. I said all those things. But I actually had to forgive myself first. So doing this process allowed me to forgive myself and say, I I literally did the best I could with the situation that I had. It was never perfect, but I guarantee I did the best that I could every single day. And does that mean that I made mistakes along the way? Sure does. Yeah. But I was trying. I was trying. And it just allowed me to step into those, into that space. And so vulnerability can be scary. It can bring the best people into your life. It can help you to navigate some of the more difficult times of your life. And the last thing I'll say in that is we're not meant to do it alone. We're actually not. We just think it has to be with the people that are in our life today. And that's not true. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So with that being said, we kind of almost touched on this, but how do you handle criticism? I assume it's similar to what we were just discussing, just kind of keep going so what's your best answer for that so the more i the more we can start to heal the less reactive we come to life we, like we, we come at life so i had a lot of people in the beginning was very reactive very defensive right very like that's a lot of energy um and criticism i was super defensive against and until one day i had a very good friend say some horrible things to me and i remember that moment And I stood there and went, you know what? I've already said all these things to myself, like today. I've already said these things. And that was a light bulb moment for me that I went, there is no one who can criticize me more than what I've already done to myself. There's no one. And so since there is no one, why am I going to let someone else talk to me the way that I'm already doing in my own head? And that all of a sudden became a moment the second thing I'll say with the criticism that I think is really important, I, I set a standard. If the person was not willing to walk in my shoes beside me day in, day out, not interested in your opinion. Mm. Not like losing my crap, screaming at you. But it's just I, I actually said a couple times, oh, were you offering to come and live in my house for weeks so I could go somewhere and sleep? Because I don't think I've slept in like two years at this point. Mm. And they were like, oh, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. My answer was, okay, thank you, but I'm not interested. I'm not interested. And that just became very easy because they would get very defensive. And I would say, no, I'm not, I'm not fighting. It's just, I'm not interested. So the more neutral you can come with it, the more important that is. Mm, I love it. Okay. I love it. Um, also I saw you mentioned NLP. I, I think I heard you say what it is. I don't know. Can So can you tell me, I saw NLP techniques to heal. So what is NLP and what are t- the techniques they suggest? Perfect. 
Um, NLP, and it's okay, most people don't know what it is. It's neuro-linguistic programming. It's really how, like the science of our mind, our brain, how we actually can use our mind to create the life we want. It sounds mm. lucky, it's not very scientific based. What happens is, is that our thoughts, our literal, our emotions are literally running us. Our thoughts follow. When our thoughts can kick in, then, then our actions, our decisions, and everything else that we do follows. And we are like a computer. 95% of our mind is just literally replaying yesterday. It's replaying the past every single day, what we say, what we do, how we act, how we respond. And so it is on this repeat pattern and our conscious mind, so that's our subconscious mind. Our conscious mind is like responsible for 5% of what we do. So we're great humans at setting these conscious goals. What I mean by that is we set big goals. We put a vision board up. We talk about what we're doing. But if I subconsciously don't believe that I can achieve that, I will self-sabotage that over and over and over. So NLP allows you to look at the subconscious mind, what limiting beliefs and stories you actually have and you hold on to. And there's a lot of different techniques including like time what's called time techniques it, there is hypnosis there is eft tapping there is a lot of language techniques that can help you to actually speak life into where you're going instead of replaying the past and the other thing i want to say on this is that the subconscious mind is literally like it's created up until the age of seven seven to eight years old so most of us are adults running around with our day and our life being driven by like a seven-year-old. We have this seven-year-old brain that we are continuously repeating over and over. And so NLP allows you to look back, do some work to actually heal some of those things. And that is was the piece that was missing for me, is I muscled through to create change and it did work, but it wasn't lasting work. And then I kept hitting that burnout over and over and over again until I stopped and went, you know what? You did walk through some really difficult, like unbelievable circumstances. You gotta take some time to learn how to heal that. And when you heal that, your nervous system can actually come at life in a much calmer response as opposed to this heightened inflamed response. And so it's really just a, a pattern of tools and techniques that can support you in leading yourself in the direction that you say you wanna go. Okay. That sounds similar. I'm not sure if this is the exact same thing, but what we, we like to call it manifesting. Is that? Yes. Yes. And so manifesting a lot of times is that we talk about what we are creating. Um, so I have, I, I'm not, I always kind of fought with affirmations to be honest, because if you, I can say what I want a hundred times a day, but if I don't believe it, then mm. that's what we want to change. So NLP allows me to go back in to me as a person, you as a person, and through some of the techniques, see what it, where is that lack of belief coming from? How can we actually change that story? How can we change the triggers of some of your, those responses so that when that situation comes up again, you don't have the same charge and trigger, right? You don't have the same charge. And that, that's part of the work that I've done like this. I had a situation come up last year that would have normally triggered the crap out of me. And I actually had no response. And I went, oh my gosh, I actually have no response. Like not, I don't have any response because I'm numb and I'm not feeling, I didn't have a response. 
And that was a sign that I'm actually starting to heal. And I mean, I'm in my 50s. This has been a long road. It's not fast, just so you know. But that's where I think the difference is, is it's getting your subconscious mind on board to what you say you want. Mm, I love it. Okay, so basically, for the... For some of us, basically what it means is manifesting and affirmations is one thing, but NLP is what makes the connections that make it actually happen. Yes, because now your subconscious mind is on the same path for what you're saying you want, right? Your manifesting is like, if we if you look at manifesting in affirmations, that's about 5% of your brain's capacity. Mm. You can keep using the 5%. Or you can learn how to harness the 95% to work with you. Okay. I like that. I love it. Okay. So <clears throat> the title of today's podcast is Own Your Story, Own Your Life. Mm-hmm. What can you say about that? I love this title. Um, they're all my favorite words, literally all my favorite words. I believe deep down that if you feel called to do something with your story, then you should. You really should. Because... I would say someone somewhere is praying for the solutions you're holding on to. Like you're literally praying for them because how many of us, when we're walking through difficult times or on Google in the middle of the night, trying to search for something, trying to search for an answer, right? We're not like maybe shouting it out from the rooftop. We're trying to find it quietly. When I walked through this, nobody was talking about these stories. I thought I was the only person in the world who actually dealt with this. And I couldn't have been further, could not have been further from the truth but people didn't want to talk about their stories because they were afraid of how it would make them look. So even if you don't want to talk about your story openly, if that seems too scary, what I say is this, if you don't own your story, it owns you. And if it owns you, it controls you. It stops you from living the life you're meant to live. It stops you from saying yes and no to the things that are here for you. It actually blocks you in every single way possible. So even if you don't do it for like the ripple effect of greater humanity, do it for yourself because that story is just shaping you into who you are. It's, it's part of you. It's not all of you. So much to what you said earlier, Donna, I actually, I felt like I was a failure, like a beyond a failure as a mom. That was my definition. And when I started to own my story, a lot of things changed. That was something where it was like, did I make mistakes? Yes. Did I do the best that I could with the circumstances that I had that came with no manual, no explanation? Did I do the best that I could? 10,000%. And did I tell my kids I'd made mistakes? Yes, I did. Like I own all of that. Did I do the best that I could? Yes. That's what owning your story is, is not letting it define you. It's a part of who I am. It's made me into who I am, but it certainly isn't owning me and it doesn't define me in the way that it used to. I love it. Um, a couple of years back, I took a part-time job at Harris Casino. Um, mm-hmm. We have casinos here in New Orleans. And during training, we literally stayed in training for a week. And there was a theme. This was the first time I actually heard this, but I honestly believe that this theme changed my life. I was still young, so I was learning. The theme was own it. Oh, I love it. That was the theme. So that was what I learned about. So I, I told you, like everything about your story was just like alert, alert, alert. So when I saw that own it, that own your story, because that really changed me because I was young. And a lot of times we, we are used to doing the same things, even though they might, they may not be right. We go to work and we're late. Harris was like, what's the problem? Like they didn't want to hear the story. You have to own it. You're Mm -hmm. late. It does not matter. 
nothing matters. Like if you're supposed to be here at 10, you should be here at 10. Yeah. So I learned hard lessons, but there were lessons that I love and I still keep it to this day. Even when my kids come to me with excuses, just like you said, kind of with teaching them that responsibility, I try to make them see Yep. You have to own it. I don't want to hear what this one did or what that one did. But everybody else, I don't want to hear about everybody else. Own it. So I love that. I love to own it. I love it. Yeah, thank you. I, I it, it actually really helped me in a really dark time. It helped me. Those words really did. It was like, okay, what can I own? And what is mine to own? And it's really powerful. Like, it's really powerful. And it becomes empowering for kids. Not blame, it's empowering. Mm. okay you did yeah sure you did you made a mistake it happens and or they would say well someone does this my friends do this don't care they don't live here it doesn't matter right they don't live here it's right just, it's just very it's it's very freeing and i i can say i mean my kids are in their um mid-20s now and it's really interesting to watch and hear them say things like i know that was my choice mom i know that was my choice and I'm like, yep, yeah, that was their choice. And so it's interesting. And I just want to share one thing because I've had people say to me, so did you get the apologies that you expected? Did you make them come back and make them apologize as adults? And I'm like, for what? Like, it's it's not, I mean, would it, was there part of me that would have liked it? For sure. But at the same time, they know it. I don't have to give and apply shame because if I apply shame, if I apply shame to, to them, it's no different than what my friends were doing, what my family was doing to me. Shame doesn't change the story. It never changes the story. In fact, what shame does is shame quiets us. Shame, shame like shoves it right down and it takes over and no growth can happen. So it's like a cover sitting right over top of it. So just be mindful for not just our kids, but anyone in our life. Nothing will change by adding a layer of shame to it. Wow. Opposite of own it. Opposite of own it. Listen, it's, I wish I knew how to, I knew, I wish this was coming up because I would have a screenshot. I promise you, my, one of my last texts with my son was like, you never apologize to everything that, that you just put me through. And you know what he said? He said, well, I don't have to apologize. The only thing I need to do is just change. Ooh. <laughs> and guess what? I couldn't say anything. I said, okay. That's impressive. Like, but that's, you know what you do? Like, that's a moment of, like, that's a really powerful moment. That's a really powerful moment. And I've sent that text too. So just so you know, I've done, like, I've done those things. I've done all of those things because it was such a difficult experience. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really powerful when it's like, you give them that price. That's right. It's one decision one day. That's it. And I think as parents... Honestly, if people say to me all the time, what's like the number one lesson you wish you could pay it forward to tell other moms? Like, work on yourself so you can learn to say, to say less. I'm serious. Say mm. less is the thing. It is the thing. Say less. Because it's just, it really, the more you get roped in to an argument, it's like, who's going to win? Who's going to win? And it finally it gets to a point where it's like, doesn't matter. No one's winning. This is where we're at. And it doesn't matter if you don't like it. Like, make a different choice. And we got to the point where it was like, I would say, if you don't like where it's at, make a different choice. And I would get to the point of saying that. And they're like, I know, make a different choice, mom. I know. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, good. Great. Great. Like, and just, so that really becomes really powerful is learning how to say less. Love it. 
I love all these one-liners. Say less, own it. We we rolling today. <laughs> we are. Yes. We are. All right. So I have another question for you. Yeah. So if you could talk to 17-year-old Marsha, what would you tell her? I would tell her, and I love this question. I would tell her that you've got some challenging roads ahead. And but don't be scared because and 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 I want you to go internal and listen. Stop looking for answers outside of yourself and listen to what it is that you want. Because you're not here to have everyone agree with what you're thinking, saying or doing. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to learn. You're going to make some doozies. And you're going to learn. And you will be okay. You will land on your feet and you will be okay. Wow. Okay. I love it. All right. Um, so, Marsha, you have written some books, published some books. Do you want to tell, tell us about that? Yes. I have written um, one solo book. I've co-led two um, collaborative books where I've helped authors with their stories and um, have published a few other times. My solo book is called When She Stopped Asking Why. And that is that was like a labor of love that took about a year to write. And it was really the story of how, as a mom, did I move forward when my life plan was not going according to plan. And so many people were afraid of what I would say about my kids and all these things in it. And I mean, I actually dedicate my book to my kids. They, they changed and shaped me in ways that no, nothing else could have. And so I'm very grateful for them. When she stopped asking why, because my life changed when I stopped asking why. That is literally when it changed. And now when I get stuck in a cycle of why, why me, why us, why them, that's all victim mindset, nothing changes. So whenever the word why comes up, I even stop and I'm like, no, it's what. Ask what, Marsha? Because what is action? Why is, there's no action with why. What is an action word? And an action word will move you forward, right? You have to be able to find a way to move it forward. So that is the solo book. And like I said, I'm always helping authors with their vulnerable stories, how to put them together, whether it's in collaborative books or in solo books, because I believe our stories can literally change the next generation. I do, because I think that if we have found our way through a difficult time in our lives, I say this with so much love, but this is just me. Holding on to it selfish. It really is selfish. Like I, I can't tell you what would it have done, and that's what keeps me going. How would my life have changed if somebody was talking sooner? Who knows? It could have changed sooner. I don't know. Or would I not be doing any of the work that I'm doing today because of that? But I do think that our stories can really make a massive impact with each other and help each other. And learning how to share them will help you to heal. Will free you and will create help for somebody else. So to me, it's win-win. I love it. Okay. Um, and where can they find those books? Where can they find you if they want to support you? Which I hope they do, because this has been profound. <laughs> I like profound. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, as we said in the beginning, I have a very long last name. So it's Marsha Van W is everything on social media. I've just shortened okay. it. That's my website. That's social media. That is um, anywhere on Google. If you start typing Marsha Van W, it will show up. My podcast is Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And you'll see the same thing on Amazon with the books. Okay. All right. I love it. Thank you. Okay. So pretty much that was it. We got through 
everything. And like I said, I learned a lot and I'm going to rewatch this myself so I can take notes because everything is, is a process. It is, it is a process, but I just want to say thank you so much for having me and for sharing so openly and for like doing this work with the podcast, because honestly, like it's, I am sure you were met with a lot of resistance, but I guarantee you people are listening. I guarantee you. And one thing that I always anchor in on is, is that, I mean, our critics are always there. They never go away. I, I know we want them to, but they don't. Um, because that's where they live. That's what they like. Sorry, I love you guys, but that's what you do. Um, the critics are there. The cheerleaders, the ones who are listening to your story and they're resonating, they might watch for a really long time before they reach out and say, hey, I think you're speaking to me. I think that message is for me. Um, why? How'd you get in my head? How did that happen? So keep going because it's, it's really hard for people to reach out when they have a vulnerable story. But just because you don't hear them doesn't mean they're not watching and it doesn't mean they're not listening. So keep going, seriously, because I, I promise you, someone somewhere is praying for the solutions you're holding on to. You just don't know who they are. And then when those people pop into your life, when they send you a DM, when they do something, screenshot it, put it in a folder in your phone so that when you have doubts, you get to go back to the folder and it's like, oh, look at total stranger, total stranger, total stranger. There's somebody who's going to continue to connect with your message. So thank you for sharing the way that you do. I love it. I love that idea. Thank you so much, Marsha. You have been a blessing to me. I appreciate you for coming on. Thank you so much. And maybe we can reconnect again. And because I'm sure life is always life. And that's what I like to say. Life is always life. And so I'm yes. sure we will be able to speak again. So thank you so much um, to the listeners. Please go follow her. Go purchase the book. Like if you listen to please listen again. So because a lot was said in this podcast. All right. Thank you so much. And I see you all next week. Bye bye.